Welcome to Beer and Gear with Felix and Wes. Brought to you by Highway Marketing. Okay, now now you got to tell me what you're drinking, dude. Now that we're recording. Okay, so this is from our friends at uh, 903 Brewers here in Texas. It is an oak-aged coffee coconut Sasquatch Reserve milk stout. It is 12 point, what did I say? 12.3 on the uh-huh. ABV. And uh, so it's pretty stout, but man, you know, coffee, coconut, milk stout, you had me at all three of those things. Yeah. <laughs> You're in this coconut uh, on this coffee beer dude they're everywhere man they're everywhere and i love coffee and you throw coconut in that done you know doing it but we keep recording at the end of the afternoon so i'm like i think that's a morning beer man (laughs) it's a shower beer really (laughs) (laughs) felix what are you drinking today i'm drinking a uh austin beer so from last stand brewing vaquero Mm. uh, ranchers lager um Huh, so it, nice. honestly, I had some of this the other day and it makes me want to be barbecuing some meat and just sitting in the <laughs> backyard mm-hmm. watching meat slowly cook. So yeah, I think that that needs to happen this weekend. Totally. Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm doing it in two days. So nice. <laughs> Loggers do that. Yeah. What are you drinking, John? Well, I'm not much of a beer guy. Um, you know, like I, everybody's all into IPAs and stuff lately. And I just kind of think like, if you're going to drink a Christmas tree, it's, I, I don't know. I, so it's not me. Now I might get into that coffee, coffee, coconut thing. Cause I do like coffee, coconut and I like beer, but if you're talking to me and anybody who knows me, I'm a wine guy. So uh, we have today a vintage, uh, very, very uh, old 2021. How do we get it to see it? There it is. Maybe. 2021 boxed wine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. This is this is Nighthawk Black, but what's nice about it is it's bourbon barrel aged. Oh. So for a box wine to kind of go out like that. Yeah. Uh, no, it's actually a pretty good wine. They if for a box they've won tons of awards and blah 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 and you know, I don't really feel like paying the man for 14 versions of marketing when I can get a pretty decent wine for you know, for that. So, so that's me. So this is me pushing the button. I don't think you can hear that. But oh, that's you know, similar. That would have been great. Opening, <laughs> that would have been great if we heard it. Yes. Yeah, I should we have the sound effect. We can add an effect. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, 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 we'll add that in there. <laughs> that's what post is for. There you go. That's the- uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, it. Really sounds like- <laughs> it would be amazing if that's what it sounds like. Oh my god, that's funny. Yeah, that's I drink a little bit of wine too. And uh, you know, my buddy's super into wine and he's he tells me all the time, he's like, Man, there's good box wine out there. It's not nineteen eighty five, man. There's, it there's good box wine. With an F and ends in a Anza. At that one, no. Right, right. As long as you that's stay away from that. Box. No, you gotta go get decent, decent stuff. But yeah, the, the bottom box brand is a really good brand that I've found. I like a lot of their stuff. So very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, usually we start these things off just like we did with whatever we're drinking. And then we go right into how did you get into this business? What what happened to you to give you this, you know, traumatic brain injury that we call audio? (laughs) What went wrong? (laughs) Yeah. What went wrong? Yeah, 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 totally. Um, Golly. Um, I was a frustrated electrical engineer in college. and answered an ad in a magazine to be a drummer for a touring rock group that did high school assembly programs, you know, like the anti-drug and alcohol go around rally type thingy. Um, 
I got in as the drummer, but then got there and found out that the drummer said he was the sound guy and he really was a drummer and I was really more of an electronics guy. <laughs> so a uh, very, very long kind of uh, story short, um, uh, we kind of traded roles and it, that's, I, I never looked back. I left college, went to do that. My parents thought I was, you know, going to getting on drugs and running around the room. I'm like, no, it's anti-drugs, mom. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, so I went out with those guys for a few years and literally knew pretty much nothing about sound. I mean, I knew electronics, but, um, I kind of figured it out and heck it was better than college at that point. So this isn't going to be a, a commercial commercial for college. Cause I'm the school of hard knocks guy. Um, so I did, I don't know, two or three years with those guys in high school gymnasiums with a pile of PV, 3020, the PV3020 loudspeaker, Ooh. if you guys want to go back that far. Boy. My uh, my Yamaha mixer had mm -hmm. gain knobs that went. Mm -hmm. I think I had like six gain settings, you know. Mm -hmm. The faders were about half as big as our faders are today. I think I had highs and lows and maybe two aux ends. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely dating myself a little bit here. Um, uh, so, yeah, but learning to do sound in gymnasiums like that with, you know, big old rock and roll PA uh, it will definitely, um, uh, make you learn it. Yeah. <laughs> worst room in the room, worst room in the world, yeah. band in the middle of the floor, stack of speakers that weren't designed to do that kind of room. <laughs> so, CS 800 so, amplifiers, I hope. Oh, oh God. Yeah. yeah. I had the CS 800s. And here's, here's a great PV story for you. Um, the CS 800 used a little can that you put in the back of it. Uh, multi I have, I have a story about this too. <laughs> Go ahead. So the cans were actually the crossover, right? So that's how you, you did your high mid lows mm -hmm. crossovers with the little plug in cans on the back of that. Well, at one point we had, I don't know, three or four amp racks and there was a mishap one morning when we were leaving and the back door of the truck didn't get shut and the gear didn't get strapped down. And so two of the amp racks, onto the asphalt. I mean, the amp racks are like, like <laughs> when we got over to it, I'm like, Oh my God, I call, called our director. And I'm like, you're gonna have to rent me some amps. He goes, you're in Iowa. Where am I going to find amplifiers in the middle of nowhere? So I called um, a phone number in one of the manuals that was in the back of the amp rack. And it was a PV amp owner's manual. And there was a phone number written in pencil. It said doc 1-800 blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, let's see who answers the phone. So um, doc answers the phone and he's like one of the guys at PV that's like the head engineering guy. And he's like, okay, so what happened? Talk to me. Okay. So your cans are crushed. Oh, they're crushed. They are flatter than a pancake. They're not, I should not plug these in and pass audio through them. And he's like, okay, I need you to go get a coat hanger. You're going to wind 16 wraps around the coat hanger. You're going to bend it between pins one and three, shove that in there. That'll be the rudest crossover you can get. You can get through the show. And I, tell you guys I was honest as a day it sounded reasonable it definitely didn't wow. sound as good as as the crossover can but this guy literally is like get a coat hanger make a winding <laughs> shove it in the <laughs> that is some old school audio and what's funny is my story also involves a trailer not door not getting shut and a CS yeah. 800 flying out the back and then using it that night <laughs> those oh, yeah. things were bulletproof bulletproof dude now I did put it in the middle of the gym floor and used a drumstick to turn it on just in case it was going to blow up <laughs> in case it wanted to be a rocket, but no, it worked. Wow. It got us through two or three shows so I could get back to a store that had parts. 
that's so crazy. Those things were heavy oh, yeah. and sounded, but man, you couldn't, they wouldn't die. You couldn't break it. You could not break it. I no. guarantee there's still hundreds of them that function oh, yeah. out in the world right now. You yeah, know, nobody's sure. using them, but they still work. <laughs> you know? Totally. It's so Did you, crazy. Do you actually talk kids out of doing drugs? successful uh yeah it was actually a pretty cool pro i mean i don't know if we really talked him out of it but <laughs> it was a pretty cool program i mean we did you know modern rock whatever was on the radio those days and then they gave kind of this speech about you know it was like a play almost like the our guitar player got on drugs and we were in a recording session and so you know all these things and the whole like what goes on he can't this show was the 80s right play. oh yeah this yeah. was this was well, such this an was 90, 90 oh yeah oh, really <laughs> Dude, I gotta um, let me see if I can find. Uh, while we're talking, I'll see if I have that photo. Maybe it's oh. on my phone. Dude, you gotta see, you gotta see my hair. <laughs> yeah. That should be the episode picture, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> Dude, you definitely will not. Get hey, we are you. we are not pulling out hair photos from the '90s because mine uh, no, are the worst. Considering my story, oh, man, I've seen your ginger photo. dreads. They're beautiful. Nope, oh, I got not. <laughs> oh, can't see it because your background. Okay. Oh my is. gosh, oh. there it is. Oh. Yeah, we totally need that picture. That's Definitely had some Aquanet going yeah, on. Yeah, heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good lord, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I have some uh I've, Felix has seen him, but in the nineties I was in a jam band and we were touring and you know, like it was this whole cause you know, that's what you did in the nineties. You played in a jam yeah. band and you toured all over the country. Um but at one point I had like a like an afro and at another point I had dreads and like they were Big, I mean, like big, thick, huge dreads. So it's truly horrible. It's yeah. truly horrible. So don't feel bad. Felix, so you're, were you around in the 90s? <laughs> no. uh, I was in high school. Uh, I do remember the first time. I, so I was born in 83. So okay. I, I, I do remember coming home with a haircut inspired by the lead singer from Prodigy. So it was shaved. I didn't go fully bald, but I did have the crown. Spiky crown, and my dad wasn't too happy with it. I thought he looked so cool, man. I saw some pictures the other day. I was like, no, it did not. And, and I, and yeah. I got duck chain around my. Right. my neck. Oh wow, that is amazing. <laughs> like, what can I do? What can I get away with going to school that I won't get in trouble? Because you could tame the crown. A, a, a mohawk, you cannot really tame it. Yeah, but yeah. the crown, was... you can kind of like put it down a little bit, and then you let the freak fly when you get out of school later. In the 80s, I had a soft mohawk that was down to about my waist, you know, so it shaved all the way around. It's just this long thing, and I would spike it up, and, you know, like, it was the 80s, man. I was I've, I've seen you at NAMM, haven't I? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. You're the Sunday. I'm that guy. I mean, on Sunday, Sunday yes. afternoon at NAMM. I come in Sunday afternoon. I'm the dude in the diaper. Um, yeah. Was, the 80s were fun, but, you know, anyway. I always wonder if they had, you know how they had, like, people of Walmart, that website years ago, they had mm -hmm. people of Nam. The people of Walmart, yeah. it's still a thing, by the they way. They should have, like, a people of Nam. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, somebody's gotta have that. There's oh, an yeah. Instagram or something about that. You know, my yeah. one of my favorite things about the not, nighttime at Nam, when you go to the hill in particular, and you see the people, you can almost tell when they got out of high school, based on what they're <laughs> Because um, you have, like, the, the 80s metal crew, you have, like, the Southern Cal, uh, punk rock social distortion looking dudes yeah. mm -hmm. just really funny it, it, it's almost like a you, you can 
tell him like you graduated in 96 and you probably nail it. Who's <laughs> <laughs> the weirdo with the prodigy haircut? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh look, it's Felix. <laughs> <laughs> so you were touring around with these guys and, and what happened next, man? What did you? Uh, so a um, couple of us from that left and started a, a, a band, ran around for a while with that. I did a stint because we weren't making any money as a DJ. Um, uh, there's many funny stories there. It was a Southern gospel radio station. Friend, a friend of a friend ran the station and he needed help. And I was around. <laughs> and again, oh, you know something about electronics? Sure. Come on. And where were you again? Uh, this was in um, a little town outside of Auburn, Alabama. All right. So, yeah. And this was probably 92, 93, something like that. Anyway, did a bunch with them for a while. As any good sound guy does, you do some installs on the side, got another job in another bigger production house in a bigger city, went to work for them. They were much more theatrical based. So did um, we did rock and roll and theatrics with that kind of thing. Um, handful of those things landed at a company. Um, where was that? Um, Elite Multimedia. They were in Memphis at the time. Um, did a bunch of years with them. Got a call at some point. Um, I was out on the, they, they were doing the Luke Bryan before Luke Bryan was Luke Bryan. Mm -hmm. um, when we were playing in fields and doing a, a, a webcast before webcasts were cool. And uh, it was interesting, but I got a call like, hey man, you know, we're finally like, you know, we got Luke Bryan, this is a good country artist. I'm out with him, this is fun. And I get a call from, a uh, company in Nashville called Morris and I'd known those guys, but not ever really met them or done anything with them, just kind of knew them. And they're offering me a tour and I'm kind of like, Hmm, I'm used to doing like 5,000 C this, this is 10, 20,000 C. So you're like, what B level country artist are they wanting to put me out with? Well, long story short, it wasn't a B level country artist. It was the A level Kenny Chesney, 80,000 seat stadium so I'm like honored, flabbergasted, um, inadequate, <laughs> you know, if you <laughs> name the words, I'm like, I don't have the chops to go from 10,000 seat arenas to 80,000 seat stadiums. And he goes, how many people do? How many stadium level guys are out there? I'm kind of thinking, well, uh, I guess the guy from YouTube, the guy from Taylor Swift, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, maybe 10. He's like, well, welcome to being number 11. Let's see what you got. So I go to, uh, I kind of drop what I'm doing, basically. Talk to my boss at Elite. And he's like, dude, if I have to tell you to go, then you're fired. Because he's like, this isn't a good, you know, a crazy good opportunity. You have to take it. You know, and if it doesn't work, come back. So super cool guy. Uh, and uh, I end up at the, uh, the first rehearsal. They had let go of their staff. They were doing some, basically some change out of, upper management and some of the under management didn't like some of that. And so long story short, you know how that goes, people complain and it's time to, time to move on. And so here we have apparently the way I understand it, the, uh, the, the system engineer uh, either quitting or getting fired. I don't know, but there was an argument and it's a week and a half until the tour hits the road and they are calling me to fill his shoes. <laughs> so like uh, long story short, they, uh, they found me through ElectroVoice, actually, um, because I had done some work with them and I knew their system processor and programming their infrastructure. And that's what the majority of the gear was on that tour at the time. 
So it was kind of the, hey, you know something about this and you can, you know, you, you kind of check three or four of the boxes, I guess, maybe is why, why they got me. Um, so I show up and I kind of walk, you know, how you walk into one of those high pressure moments and you're like, okay, now I'm the guy, here's a crew looking at me. Here's a band looking at me. Like I'm going to solve the problem or supposed to solve the problem. I don't even know what the problem is at this point because I got hired 24 hours earlier. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking in and you know, you know, that, that, the move the camera guys make where it kind of like zooms and pulls at the same time. Yeah. And you can kind of like, yeah. I'm talking to this guy, but I see a hundred feet away what's going on. And it's all of these guys running around in front of house and I can tell something's not right. So the production manager goes to me, Hey, you got a show file, right? And I was like, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope one of your guys does. I just got hired. I don't know. I, you know, other than a list of gear, I don't know what we have here. So I get out to front of house and very long story short, um, there was no backup show file. The, yeah. Whoa. Um, the guy who was me left with it on his laptop, whether Ooh. that was intentional or not hard to say, mm. but it's awkward at this point. So there's no calling him to get it. Um, I'm looking at the crew. I have six audio guys there that are on the tour with us. And I'm like, okay, who's worked here the longest? And they all kind of look at each other. Like I've been here like two weeks. Oh, <laughs> wow. Right. So um, I do a quick run around the building, kind of look at the gear. And this is, this is in a rehearsal facility. So it's not the full PA, but I mean, nothing is making sound um, because they, instead of pushing, they, or instead of pulling, they pushed, a blank file out to it by accident. So it wasn't even passing audio. Wow. So I go, okay, you two guys go stage left, write down what gear is over their model numbers. You two go stage right, write down what's over there. I'll look at the rack here. Turns out there were f- six system processors, eight in, 24 out. There was a Cobranet line running from stage to uh, backstage, from front of house to backstage but it was actually processing sound from the DSP at the front of house and then sending it to one of the, it was the nightmare. Um, but uh, long story <laughs> I don't understand short, any of any of why that was working that way. <laughs> no, I, 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 yeah, that's a very long story later, but um, it, it was super customized and it, it, it probably was cool if it was the system I put together and I knew where everything was mm. like, like the old guy. I mean, it wasn't like it was a dumb setup. It was just a lot. And now there's no settings. Right. No crossovers, no, no processing at all. Um, so we quickly write down everything we can. And um, I start programming and dropping things in as they tell me what processors they have. We go online, it finds it. I start dropping in just the most generic crossovers whatsoever for the model speaker that's there. And about an hour later, we're, we passed audio. I just played a little pink nose went, shh, shh, shh. <laughs> You're right. And I was like, okay, okay. And this is all knowing that Chesney is walking in the building at any minute. Like I wonder if that's a ringtone, by the way, your pink noise. What? High <laughs> yeah, pink noise the, the high, mid, low pink noise sound. <laughs> yeah. We actually have that in our RSX speaker line. Yes. There's <laughs> just, just strap one of those on your, on your belt and then have the app. Yeah. Anyway. Um, uh, so, I go to the production manager. I'm like, listen, um, I know he's walking in any second. We can pass audio, but uh, it's not tuned. Uh, you know, it's not, it's nothing. So we, we could go. He's like, listen, I already talked to Chesney. He understands where we're at. Um, he's going to run this one with the studio monitors because it's just some lighting cues. Uh, and then you have the building for the rest of the night. So 
Hmm. Uh, shout out to all of my crew from back then. We pulled off a miracle in about an hour and a half that shouldn't have been able to be done. Um, and then after Chesney left, we spent the next couple hours retuned it and got it going. Um, and so, yeah, that was my, uh, I, I think that my butt will finally relax sometime in 2025 from that moment. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a pucker moment right there. Uh, Good was, Lord. I didn't know that they were going to do the studio monitor thing. So I'm like going as fast as we can to try to make audio for show level. Mm. So it was, it would have been nice to have known that before we killed ourselves. Mm. But at the same time, we also proved that we were ready to go and, could have done it if we had to. You yeah, know? You, you took something that was catastrophic and within an hour made yeah. it something happen. And I'm yep. sure that 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 helped with everybody's comfort level of you walking in too, you know, making that happen. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it definitely was a, a moment. And we all later, <laughs> we all later breathed and, and sat down and probably cracked a beer. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. Man, it, it goes back to what we always find in these interviews every time we have these conversations it comes the same it's somebody that at some point was thrown in the water and go like mm -hmm. go ahead and swim <laughs> you know yeah but i can't touch i don't care swim yeah. you got you'd it. be okay. amazed how many of these interviews we do where people are like i had no business doing this but i just oh, put yeah. my head down and <laughs> went through it and somehow i didn't get fired you know that's that's the general thing oh uh, here, here's the next one from that same tour so fast forward two weeks we're at our first our first load in at Tampa Bay Stadium and uh, I'm looking at the way they deployed the system before and they had they had three hangs but they were only seating about 180 degrees off the stage so no no you know no side stage seating so their first box was um, a, a 90 degree box forward mm -hmm. then they had another 90 degree box splayed out about 30 degrees okay. do the math and then a 120 degree box splayed out about from zero another 60 degrees so it was just massive overlapping cone yeah. filtering out there, you know, on the off of direct. So I just went, well, I mean, I don't need those speakers. We're going to aim those ones different. So send those 32 boxes home. I, I'm never going to use them or put them back on the truck. So I didn't know at this level of touring that I needed to run that up the chain per se. <laughs> like, <laughs> you just I'm, did I'm it. Used in, <laughs> I'm used to being the system tech front of house guy production manager. If I make a decision, mm -hmm. I inform all three of us at the same time because they were all three me. <laughs> <laughs> so about, about, let's say about eight boxes going back down the ramp the wrong way off the stage. The production manager comes up and he's, 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 just, it ends up being one of my best friends on the tour. He's a great dude and, and all, but that day was one of my first days meeting him and he's a bigger guy than me. Um, and, you know, looking down at me and he's like, you know, pointing at me as I understand you're sending 32 speakers home. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I'm kind of going like, that whole Arnold Schwarzenegger thing happens. You know, a little thing pops down and the list comes up. Like, how do I, how do I talk to this guy? And I'm like, okay. and one about blah, 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 a former lighting director for the blah, blah, blah. You know and I'm like? Okay. He's a lighting guy. I got to talk to him in lighting terms. So I'm like, listen, it would be like if we had an African-American guy and we had purple and green lights, like, dark skin and purple and green don't work. Right. And he's like, yeah. So, so if, we, if I remove the purple or the green, it's a little better. Right. But then we get the right light on him with the right instrument, you know, and I'm kind of like trying to explain it in the best way I can. And How do you have goes, this knowledge of lighting? Cause I didn't even think about that ever. Yeah. <laughs> like this. You spend enough time in front of house and hang yeah. out with your lighting guys. You learn those things, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. As soon as you said that, I know I said, I know where he's going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I am I, not a lighting guy. <laughs> I, I'm not either, but I had heard enough things like mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so he looks at me and he's kind of like, 
Hmm. All right. So he walks me out to the front of the stage, like dead center front of the stage. And he starts pointing real slow at the far 500 seats, like as slow as he can. He's got his thumb kind of in my shoulder, squeezing on it. <laughs> and he's like, just so you know, that's 80,000 don't F ups. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah. And I was like, okay, this is the moment where mousy little John compared to, you know, Ed looking down at me, I have to kind of go, yes, sir, I've got this. This is 100% the right decision. And it was, we, we went from having tons of return seats with bad sound complaints to, you know, pretty much none. Um, nice. And, you know, it's physics. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how the tour had evolved into having too much PA for too, you know, overlapping. Uh, I wasn't there for that. Um, but, uh, you know, less is more sometimes because you, you want to have the most direct sound possible, especially in rooms of that size. You don't want to be overlapping much at all because if you're overlapping even 10 or 15 degrees, I mean, at 500 feet out there, that can be quite a bit of people yeah. uh, that are here in, you know, two totally different arrival times or something. So. Yeah. So yeah, that was my, uh, my trial by fire dropped into the deep end. Um, and then I guess the rest of my career was just being dropped into more deep ends and trying to swim. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. We've talked about this on the show a couple of times, but I, I, I have this secret wish, uh, as, as I've moved from, you know, full-time engineer, monitor engineer guy into, you know, the, the rep side of the business, I, I'm fascinated by, and I always have been by the the system tech, you know, system engineer side of things, because I'm super nerdy about stuff like that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I, I make this joke that my second career is, is going to be, I'm going to be a, a system tech or a system engineer, you know, and I'm yeah. going to be that guy that's out there with the, with the laptop trying to, you know, measure the room and, you know, trying to make everything play nice together in the room. Um, but so that stuff is super, super cool to me when you talk about, you know, it's just physics. That stuff is amazing to me. And you're the first system tech we've had on here. Most engineers have to have at least a small amount of knowledge, especially to a certain level. Like you said, you're the system tech, front of house, you know, production manager, maybe yeah. the stage manager, you know, you're, you're everything. Uh, but at a certain level, you get beyond that and you start having to hand those things over. What was your... Uh, on that tour, maybe would be a good example of what was your interaction with the front of house guy? Like how much of it did he leave to you and or how much did you have to kind of mentally know where he was coming from to give him what he wanted? That kind of thing. Um, I did uh, four or five tours with them. So I had a couple of different front of house engineers and each one was a little different. I mean, you, you know how how, sure. how that goes. It just depends on what they want to do. Um, the first First year I was out, uh, our front house guy was Brian and uh, good dude, uh, salt of the earth, you know, been doing country all his life, been doing Kenny for, I don't know, at that point, maybe 10 years or more. Um, and so he was very much interested in making the system better and 100% just trusted me to do it. Uh, so he, he said to me, listen, I'm going to sit at front of house and I'm going to do what I do. And you're responsible for everything that what I hear here is what you make happen out there. Um, and so it was, uh, the kind of thing where I, I actually set my rig up next to him. And even during the show, he would say, Hey, I'm feeling like a lot of 400. Is it you or is it me? And I'm like, well, let me take a look. And I, I had multiple mics around the venue. So I could kind of look around I'm like, yeah, I've kind of seen a little bit of 400 everywhere. So let me go ahead and take some of that out. Then, you know, so it was like a, a symbiotic relationship, you know, nice. in that sense, we worked together a lot. 
Fast forward a couple of years, we ended up with uh, a very talented Chris Raybould uh, out as yes. our front of house guy. And he was kind of the polar opposite. He very much wanted to be involved in the tuning from the get-go. And pretty much my job with Chris was more um, the nerd side of calculating the box angles and making sure the PA was deployed correctly. And then Chris did a majority of the tuning. I would follow him um, on a second tablet and make notes or anything like that if I noticed something. And then, But but he was very focused on on creating his palette the way he wanted it. Right. Um, uh, and so, yeah, so it's just, a, it's just different, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a system tech, probably one of the hardest things um, I've seen people have to learn and have to learn the hard way is that you have two different guys like that. And my relationship with Brian was very different than my relationship with Chris in that process. But as a, as a system tech, you have to know what that guy wants, because ultimately it, it's, I'm, my, I mean, my name's on the thing for making it sound right. I mean, I'm in charge of the, the PA, but the buck stops at the front of house guy. So if he's having a bad night, it's not going to fall on me unless he blames me, but, <laughs> but, but for the most part, it, it's him and it's his seat that has the most pressure. So it, you, as a system tech, you have to make the decision to support that person in the way they want supported. Uh, you know, so right. that's, I guess that's probably the easiest way to say. It. Yeah. Yeah. Chris yeah. is definitely, he, he seems like the kind of guy that, uh, you know, uh, really knows what he wants. And mm-hmm. sometimes we'll just stand up there and go, oh, here, let me do it. I, I know what I want. Yeah. It's going to be faster if I just do it myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I won't say we butted head, heads. We got along, we got along good, but we definitely butted um, uh, style for a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, and we've had to learn each other. I'm like, oh, okay. He wants to do all of it. Okay. If that's what you want, then great. I'll, I'll just support you in that. Right. Um, and you know, there were, there were a couple of times when, we're running fast and, and uh, you know, he doesn't get time to do the delay towers or something. So he kind of hands that off to me or hands off the oxings. He's like, look, I'm going to get this. You can just go match it, you know? Uh, but, but if there was time and there usually was um, he liked to be involved in the majority of it. And, you know, I respect that too, because it's like, there's many front of house guys that are the opposite. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do anything. Cause I don't know anything about it. At least Chris understood it to an extent right. um, where other guys I've worked with don't, and they just trust you. And it's kind of like, uh, it's just a, it's just a different dance. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I still got to do all the same tasks. So, right, yeah, right. that's yeah. always been an interesting dynamic for you know for me to watch. You know, again, I'm on the good side of the snake at Monitor World, so yeah. I can watch that dynamic play out. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. uh, I just get to interact with the band and you know do the cool yeah. stuff. You know, right. rock out right. on stage. Uh, yep. <laughs> this is an ongoing. Waiting. I was waiting for that staff to come. Yeah, yeah th- this is an ongoing joke on the podcast. I'm on the good side of the snake, so yeah, I don't know about that, but you're on the other end of the snake. No, no, it's it is the good side. You just just accept it, move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. If people actually listen to this thing. I, I I can't wait for a bunch of angry front of house guys just waiting. Oh, for dude, me. they're gonna be so mad at me. But you know, every <laughs> you know what? I'm a, I'm a system tech, so I have to support you too. You know, ultimately the wires come out on your end of the snake, yep. and if you cut them, then I lose my job. So yeah, yeah, yeah. very I'm, true, very true. I'm not saying that makes your end better; just makes it necessary. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Your end is necessary, not better. <laughs> You're necessary evil. If you can we keep all guy? the musicians, yeah, I guess we do. <laughs> if you can keep all the musicians happy, and I can keep the front of house guy happy, we're going to keep everybody happy and have a good yes. show. 
So, yes, yeah. yes. I always I, I make that joke, but you know, like it is a very symbiotic relationship. You know, if yeah. if I do my job really well, the musicians are happy, they play better, which makes the front of house guys' job yep. easier, which makes oh, yeah. the system tech. You know, everything is all this big. It's a circle of life thing. It, yeah. You <laughs> you <laughs> Disney music. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> We cannot afford that right now, man. <laughs> no, not the right, not the royal. Yeah, we cannot even afford that. your background on Zoom. That's why we're not doing video. <laughs> it's a generic. It's generic. It's not the real Millennium Falcon. Yeah, oh, there we go. Don't say it. Don't say that. Oh, we're gonna have to bleep that now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we have to pay. We have to pay like twenty bucks for you to say that every time. Um, um, hey, I got I got a good subject for us. Cool. Um, I, I like to call it psychoacoustics, and not not the technical version of it but i'll start with this story i'm sure you both have one a, another very high profile tour with studio a level musicians on it so i'm not questioning them whatsoever um if any of them happen to watch this send me an email and i'll still make fun of you to your face but um the the comedy was we did rehearsals in a uh you know in, in a, a rehearsal space small tight i mean it's just the band not very much acoustics going on at all we get out to the stadium and it sounds very different. And of course it does. We're now in giant open air with a giant PA and blah, blah, blah. And they're not happy with their ears. And I'm sure Wes, you can understand that going from rehearsals in a tight space to now a giant room with PA the monitor mixes are all over the place. Yeah. So um, they're questioning everything. Night one at rehearsal, everything's wrong. You know how it gets. And now then one guy gets one guy riled up and the other guy gets riled up and then everybody's riled up and mm. now nothing's right. Everything's wrong. We got to start all over. And one of them walks off stage and they look at the, uh, the monitor area there. And there's a different splitter than we had when we were in rehearsals In rehearsals, we had a small little 24 channel splitter because we weren't running everything. Right. Now we're out on the thing. We got the big 96 channel four way split and, they're like, what is that thing? That's not what we were using in rehearsals. And it's like, well, no, but it's just a transformer mic splitter. It's like, uh, we want the other one back out. So Split. they made us bring out the 24 channel splitter and put in on, on their side. And here's, the, here's the, 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 the best part of it. They were on the direct side. So they weren't even listening to the transformers. Mm. So I could make an argument. Good ears might hear a transformer. Really yeah. good ears might hear the transformer. They were telling me that they heard the difference in copper. <sighs> but they didn't know that. They were just saying, that's different. We want yeah. the other one. So a couple of nights into the new one being there and a nightmare of a cross patch, because we're just trying to run their inputs through the 24 channels, then into the 96 channel mm. to get to all the other desks. And, um, I finally, the monitor guy's pulling his hair out and I looked at him. I was like, you know what, tomorrow, just plug some wires into the 24 channel box. They're not even real. Just plug them into the, the 96 split. Just make it look like something's plugged into the 24. Mm -hmm. And we did that and ran it that way for a week and a half. Then a week and a half later, we kind of hid that box kind of back up under the stage a little bit further. Then another week later, we kind of pushed it around a corner where you couldn't quite see it. And they, you know, they asked about it and like, oh no, it's just up under the stage there. Oh, okay, all right, all right. It hadn't been plugged in for three weeks. So we're mm -hmm. like, okay, go ahead and send it home. <laughs> yeah, so, there is. Like, that's psychoacoustics. Yeah, yeah, there is a lot of, that's, 
with my fellow monitor guys, we talk about that a lot where it's, you know, there is a psychology to it, you know, it's yeah. like you have to understand what that artist needs before he knows what he needs. Yep. You know, that's really, oh, it's, yeah. there's so much psychology to that. And you know, how many times does somebody go, Hey, my monitors are just a little blue. Can you make them more Brown? Yeah. 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 yeah totally. that, that's you, dude. That's your side of the snake. I don't <laughs> get that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I have, I have a couple of great stories about, you know, running monitors for, for guys, you know, uh, that, that for the first time and, you know, having those kind of conversations and, and being on an analog desk, cause I'm old, you know, I couldn't walk out there with a tablet and, and be like, Oh, yeah. you know, yeah. like what, what does it sound like there? So I've got my Q wedge, you know, just blaring at me the whole time. And he's like, it's too ugh ugly. I'm like, what, what do you mean, man? <laughs> you know, I have no yeah, idea we, what that is, but yeah. I have to translate that and start yeah. kind of playing around with it and, and going, oh, is that better? Is that worse? You know, and, and yeah. narrowing in, oh, Uchi is 400. Okay, right. cool. That's well, what, I'll pull 400 out. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, and I say 400 because it's a terrible, no, why do we even hear 400? That is the worst frequency in the world. Um, yeah, yeah. I always yeah. cut it out. Yeah, now, I swear there's still at House of Blues Dallas, I, I challenge anyone to go and look at the front of house processing. There is a setup there that is Wes's front of house and all it is is completely flat with 400 just dumped out of it. That's it, <laughs> that's all it is, you know? I'd use the console for everything else. It's just work, yeah. no, no that 400. That's funny because you and I were doing, uh, when we first got Aventus, we were doing an event and you walked away and it's the first time I've sat in front of the mixer. I'm playing with it and you walk by me and I'm actually playing with the parametric EQ and you go like, just kill 400. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I hate that frequency, man. Like, I wasn't, just... It's just wrong. I hate that frequency. Just dump it all the time. So anyway, <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I have a great story on the, on that kind of thing where you're, where you don't know what's going on and you're having to kind of figure it out on the fly. I was yeah. working with, uh, I was working at, <clears throat> with a, a guy who might have been like in a really famous beachy band, you know, I was going to say, and, I know where this is going. <laughs> and, and so I'm, I'm at the monitor console. And of course, I mean, this dude is, you know, a legend, right? And so I'm, yeah. I'm on it, you know, and I'm just like, yeah. you know, my, I'm wide open, eyes wide open. I'm watching everybody. And I'm trying to make sure. And at the same time, I have my Q wedge up because the band is ridiculous, you know, and, and it's amazing. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm loving it. It's one of those gigs, right? So yeah, I'm yeah. just on top of everything. I'm listening to it. And the band goes into one of the songs from the album that they were doing in the whole thing of, and, uh, uh, and it's a, it's a all instrumental thing. <laughs> And the guy is standing there and he turns from the crowd and looks at me and I'm like, okay, what does he need? What's going on? And he's staring the whole time, just staring at me, not moving, not doing anything. The band's playing this whole cool instrumental thing and it's amazing, but he's just staring at me. And I feel like he's looking into my soul or like <laughs> through the back of my head. And this yeah. goes on for like two or three minutes and I'm just freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? Oh my God, I'm destroying this whole vibe. Everything is terrible. And right as the band pulls out of the end of it, he looks at, he keeps looking at me, but he blinks, I swear, for the first time in like two and a half minutes, and then turns to the crowd and nothing is ever said. Nothing ever happened out of it. I just lost a gallon of sweat in two and a half minutes. Like, I, I, and at the end of the show, I asked the band, I was like, was there something that happened during Pet Sounds that was yeah. like weird, you know? Like yeah. during that song, was there something weird that happened? He goes, oh no, he does that all the time. 
There is okay. A, there's a monitor guy in every city right now that he played it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Uh, we yeah. all have we all have that PTSD from from when that happened. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, I bet yeah. you smiled after that. You get it? Uh man, that gig was amazing. So I'm not gonna <laughs> front. That, that gig was awesome. <laughs> so yeah, it was very, very, very cool. That so, joke I, just just crashed and died and, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you were you did the you were working with Kenny Chesney. Um, where did you go from there? I mean, what what was the what was the the movement from there? So that uh, that was uh, Morris Light and Sound in Nashville mm -hmm. that uh, that had that contract with Kenny. So that was I was working for them. Uh, when I wasn't on the road with Kenny, I was part of their integration side. Uh, eventually moved more over to the integration side full time. Um, in 2015, I had a um, uh, heart condition, let's say. Um, so maybe this is a good one worth talking about because all of, all of our friends and, and such that are in their forties and fifties, um, I, I had come off the road. I think it's, let me rewind. It's been a number of years, uh, come off the road and was working in the integration department. So in, you know, I kind of, uh, became the desk guy, the AutoCAD guy, the design guy, and was, wasn't working out as much, you know, when you're on the road, you're working hard. So, so I kind of probably got a little fat and lazy, let's be honest. Um, something went wrong. I had come off the Chesney tour and we had somebody else out there and something went wrong and he had to go. Uh, I don't remember all the details, but I ended up back on the tour. Um, not really wanting to be, um, but, uh, but mostly because of like family sitch, you know, just not wanting sure. to be gone uh, yeah. more than anything. Uh, the, the Chesney folks were always some of the best people I've ever worked with and for. So I have nothing, nothing bad to say about that. Um, but just not wanting to travel. Um, so I'm back out there uh, finishing out the tour for the year. And uh, I'm kind of writing off that this uh, tightness in my lungs, in my mind, was um, I have terrible allergies and that I'd put on the weight and I'd been in the, the, uh, you know, the office and hadn't been doing any kind of real cardio work. You know, I'm pushing a case across the field and I, I sit down for a minute, you know, like that kind of stuff, like really didn't work that hard, but I just was writing it off as, uh, as not what it turned out to be. It didn't feel like a, a pressure in the chest, like people describe cardiac stuff. It felt more to me like it was in my lungs. But um, long story short, I made it through the, the, the tour. Um, um, wine and Red Bull were my, my drugs of choice, I guess. I would start with a Red Bull in the morning, do a Red Bull or two before we loaded out, and then have a few glasses of wine to go to bed at night. And which so- is great for your heart. Huh? It, which is great for your heart. Uh, well, the wine is probably <laughs> yeah. a, little, a little bit of it anyway. <laughs> Red Bull, probably not, but the, this definitely wasn't. Um, but uh, uh, long story short, my wife was really amazing and was like, you know, hey, you're not, you're not getting over the hump here. So when you get off this tour, we're, we're going to go through your battery of tests and kind of, you know, you're, you're getting up there, you know, we need to do those tests. And so I went and did a, um, what do you call it? Uh, the stress test on the treadmill failed it pretty miserably. So they scheduled me for the one that they do with the breathing and that failed that pretty bad. So they decide, Hey, at your age, you know, what was this? 2015, I think. Yeah. Um, so I'm 45. So fairly young for, for any of that, but um, I had went through a divorce a few years earlier. So there was a lot of stress with that. There's a stress with the job, you know, the pressure of the job 
the, you know, all of the above, right? Throw on top of that, my mom and dad also had cardiac issues um, when, uh, when they were alive. So um, I basically, the doctor's like, hey, why don't you, we're going to go ahead and go in. We'll go through a little vein in your leg. We'll put a stint in. You're good. Well, that surgery lasted about a half hour of the couple hours it was supposed to lap because they got in there and they saw what was blockage. It was 95, 65, 55. Wow. So they pulled me out of the stent surgery, put me in a bed, put me on some more drugs and said, Hey, tomorrow morning, you're going in for a full on triple bypass. So I'm three months on the road with right pushing me to that cardiac edge of that pulling in your chest guys. If you don't know that, if it feels like your, your, your lungs are, are ripping, that is a cardiac problem. And I didn't know it. And I wrote it off and I wrote it off for three months. And my doctor looked at me after the surgery, uh, which was supposed to be three hours turned into six and a half. Uh, Cause apparently I don't have very good veins either. So throw that on top of the whole mix. Um, uh, he, he comes in, you know, after a few days after the surgery, he's just talking to me. He's like, man, how did you, like every, like when you had that feeling, did you not think it was a problem? I'm like, no, because I've had that feeling before and it was allergies. Like, a, you know, like I'm in a different city every day. I'm on a, you know, I, I, but it wasn't, but I think in my mind, I was writing it off because I needed to get through the day and, yeah. you know, I'm here to finish the tour and they don't have somebody else. And so I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to head down and go. And I, this would be the PSA announcement for guys, take care of yourself because I was inches from not being here. So, it, yeah. That stuff is so important, man. You know, it, it's funny. When I was younger, I would see guys coming in, uh, you know, on tour, and they would have, like, a, a masseuse or some kind of yoga thing going on, and we, we all laughed about it. We were like, oh, yeah. dude, really? But yeah. now, if I was out on the road right now, I would be get off the bus. Let's go yep. for a run. You know, yep. um, let's do yep. some yoga. Um, can yep. I get my, my vegan meal and I'm not eating yeah. that crap. That's terrible yep. for you. And yep. I'm not drinking cause I'm busy and this is going to kill me. You yep. know, that, like, that's yep. my hope for everything coming back after last year, uh, because yeah. I see it and a lot of my friends are musicians and audio guys are touring how there's definitely they realize how good their bodies feel when they're sleeping better, when they're yeah. eating at home and they're sleeping yep. and they're being healthier. So I definitely, that is my hope that, that as things open back up and tours get back on the road, that those friends don't go, well, crap, it was only when I was home. <laughs> you know, like you, yeah. you can do those things yeah. when you're traveling. Yeah. Hope, hopefully. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's, uh, it's so important to stay healthy and, and, you know, the guys who have made it long term, you know, uh, they're the guys that are doing that. You know, yeah. I mean, look at Scoville is a great example of somebody who, yep. <laughs> you know, that guy is fanatical uh, when he's out yeah. on the road about taking care of himself. And, you yep. know, he should be because, <clears throat> you know, when you're at front of house, especially, um, but <clears throat> really in front of any console or any screen for, for that length of time, you do all this physical activity to stand there and not move for like right. two or three hours and literally yeah. i mean you're you can't move and right. that stuff is terrible for you you know right. it's awful so you know it's it's so important 
mentally and physically, you know, yeah. to, to take care of yourself when you're out on the road. And I, I think more people are figuring that out as we go along, you know, yeah. I, I turn 50 next month and like that stuff, when I was coming up, that was, like I said, people, you laughed about that. You're like, you oh, look at, at those yep. idiots, you know, yep. right? why can't yep. they handle just sitting around all the time, oh, yeah. and you know, doing what they need to yep. do and then drinking them, you know, like a fish and doing whatever at the end of the night, oh, yeah. and do it again the yeah. next day. You know? Yep. I, I sometimes I think, especially on that on that lower level, when you have musicians and bands that are they're they're touring, and they're a smaller team and they're all out of their own dime, it seems to be less room for all the partying and things like that. And, and, mm -hmm. and everybody's definitely realizing that. Listen, if somebody gets sick here, we're gonna have to. It's, it's gonna affect everybody else at that right. point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. When, when I was doing the van tour thing, we just, I mean, it was, I'm talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. It was balls to the wall when I was doing the van tour thing, you know, uh, yeah. in a was... van where there's way too much kombucha in the van. I'm like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got some van stories, but anyway, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, I, I never, never did drugs. Um, I had some friends when I was young that, that got pretty messed up and it just, something i'm like i'm not ever doing that uh but i mean i've seen my fair share of it and doing a you know a schedule of that nature i understand why people do it because uh, you know it's go 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 and there's there's no no rest and i guess maybe i guess if you count my wine and red bull i was kind of doing the same thing in some ways eh, a little um, bit but you sure. know what's funny is, is when i find i wrap I, I this part I, when i finally was talking to the doctor and debriefing on how i got in that bed um and told him about the wine and the Red Bull. He's like, you know, what's funny is, is the wine probably actually saved your life. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you, if you're like, you're killing your heart all day long. And then you have a couple of glasses of wine um, before you go to sleep. It, you're, you're relaxing it enough to at least let it rest. So, you know, interesting anyway. I don't know. You know, wow. he was sitting there doing the doctor hypothesized thing, uh, you know. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. So you I just carry boxes everywhere I go, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the takeaway from the podcast. Carry a box of wine at all times. Right. It's uh, it's for your it's for your health. Yes, exactly. Um it's for Can I get an endorsement? <laughs> <laughs> um so you you I, I assume this pretty much cut out the the road stuff for you and you went uh, into it the... did for a little bit i mean i stayed on pretty strong in the integration side um mm -hmm. there definitely was a you know solid year there where i wasn't physically able to be doing any kind of labor uh, or anything like that i had a pretty amazing thing happen um when i got diagnosed and it happened and i had to have the surgery you know i'm on i'm, I'm working but i have uh what's it called uh medical leave time mm -hmm. off whatever you call that um almost well, let me say it this way. All of the employees at Morris donated their uh, time off to me. So I was able to take three solid months or, or even more. I can't remember wow. um, to just concentrate on my physical therapy That's and get back. So, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Wow. Pretty, pretty cool people. Um, so, yeah. So fast forward a little bit. Um, my ex-wife moves away uh, to Atlanta with the kids. So now they're a little bit far to do the commute and see them. Mm. So my, uh, my wife says, hey, we need to get to Atlanta somehow. And I'm like, well, you know, there's no way of doing that with Morris. I mean, there's not, you know, an office down there that makes any sense to do that. So we kind of just went, well, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, then 
along comes EAW and they, they had called me before at one, at one point. And I was just kind of like, nah, I'm happy at Morris. I'm good. You know? And they call again to see if I'm interested in, in coming over to their team. And uh, I'm like, ah, man, it's, it's going to be tough for you guys. Cause you can't give me enough vacation. Cause I need to be able to take Fridays off, you know, on some weekends to be able to get down and get the kids from Atlanta. And, and he's like, well, I mean, I don't really care where you live. I mean, I'm living in Nashville at the time. I'm like, speaker company wants me to live in Nashville. Why would they not want me to live in Nashville? So I'm not even thinking that way. And uh, my boss, Jim says, he's like, no, I, actually Atlanta would be a better place. So I'm happy if, you know, if you took this job, move to Atlanta and that would be great. It's a better airport. We can get you places faster. And I'm like, huh, well, crap, I'm going to have to actually think about this job offer now. You know? <laughs> so uh, long story short, it, it worked out and it made sense. I mean, it was a parallel move money-wise in many ways, but in a life uh, uh, return on life investment type situation. It was way better. I was working really long hours at Morris and, and uh, it, it was no uh, rest for the weary there. We were a small team doing a lot of things and everybody was wearing a lot of hats and mm-hmm. you know, no offense to them. They grew and grew better without me and I moved on and, and I'm happy here. Uh, the EAW team is really great there. It's, it's a small team and uh, i I, I enjoy being here. So, yeah, that's kind of, so yeah, really the, the move to EAW was about uh, being able to be near my kids more, right. more so than, <laughs> than anything else. And then I found out, oh my gosh, this is a great team of guys. Oh my gosh, they're making great products, you know? So, uh, so it's been kind of, kind of fun to be that guy. Um, when I first took, took the job, um, I don't know how many of our listeners are familiar with our adaptive line, but it's a pretty crazy, crazy speaker that is a line array that hangs straight, that's digitally steerable and, I just kind of went, <laughs> okay, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to figure out what's wrong with this thing. Mm-hmm. And I've been here three years now. And I tell you, every time I touch it, I eat crow because it does it. I mean, it's crazy what you can do with it. Um, and we've got more products coming in that genre of speakers and technologies. So it's, it's a fun, it's a fun place to be. So I'll never forget the first time I heard the EAW, uh, system uh was at uh, a tom petty sound check with okay, uh, yep. with robert and yep. uh so i'm i'm sitting in front of house and they're the the system tech on that tour and i cannot remember his name but uh he was he was running through everything and i was watching what was the watching the hang go up and it was right when they first went out it was i think it was the first tour with it and they okay. were doing a an EAW dog and pony show thing. And they, they actually oh, yeah, had okay. one of the speakers out in one of the, the elements out showing what to me look like a, some kind of car engine. And I'm like, what is that? Why are they showing yeah, yeah. that? And yeah. it turns out that was the element. It's so insane. What is involved in each one of those elements to make it actually function that He just pulled up a picture. Nobody's going to see this on the podcast, but he just pulled up a picture of what it looks like inside one of those elements. It is batshit crazy. Like, I don't understand. I'm a sciencey guy. I love the nerdy stuff, but even I'm just like, wow, there's so much going on in there. And it's so advanced. It's crazy. But what I do know is I would listen to when they were doing the, the, uh, kind of dog and pony show of, of it. They were moving the coverage pattern in real yeah. time and you could hear it. I mean, night and day, which is yeah. amazing to me. You're like, Oh, I need sound over there. Okay. Well, we'll put it over there. 
Yep. And you don't move the array at all. Without physically moving anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah, that, that's the crazy part. The engineers who were in, uh, involved in the original design of it uh, went back to uh, original line array math, took, a, took away our mechanically splayed solution that many of us have come up with over the years, you know, albeit VDOS to our case, KF730, or even our newest KF810. Mechanical articulated array, when we, when we bend the array towards the J section, if you will, we're bending it there to kind of decrease sound pressure level, right? So mm-hmm. the, the longer it's straight, the further it throws. And then as we bend it open, we, we're losing it. But once you bend over about four degrees, it really doesn't obey line array math anymore because the spacing of the elements just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they went back, well, what if we didn't have to bend it physically? And they went through all of these things and basically kind of reverse engineered, let's make the best physical component spacing and then electronically manipulate that and see what happens. And through a number of tests and, and blah, 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 they basically came up with every driver in every direction is within a quarter wavelength of its counterpart. So basically all the HF are individual HF drivers. In the case of Vanya, 14 uh, one-inch HF drivers that are front-loaded, small waveguide on them, but basically they're not bouncing around through a giant waveguide of any sort. So all of those drivers are within the wavelength of uh, what they're producing and how far apart they can be before they have detrimental interference with each other, right? Um, So without getting too nerdy on this, what they then did is they basically said, well, how can we make these drivers interact in such a way to create the same kind of wavefront that a J or a C-shaped array or whatever we're wanting to kind of do did. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they evolved it, they kind of uh, basically learned a lot more about how to make that digital wavefront. And you're seeing a very loosely similar thing with uh, immersive systems now where we're doing it horizontally. Um, they're creating a wavefront out of multiple, multiple zones of speakers mm-hmm. left to right. We're creating it much more defined vertically on a one inch basis. <clears throat> so basically we can make every driver play to every seat which means that in the case of Anya, again, there's 22 components in that box yeah. with 22 DSPs with 22 amplifiers. That's so one box. <laughs> 22 one box. amplifiers in each yeah. box. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy to me. I'm kind of like, hey, guys, why don't we make that amplifier fit in a rack unit? And No, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in the case that it has that much, we have so much resolution, which ironically is the name of our software that controls it. Mm. Um, tongue in cheek giggle whatever um uh so the software then basically takes the 3d map of the room that we draw and it basically makes a a a 3d wavefront um in the vertical plane that throws further and dissipates as front as you want the beauty of it being a vertical array that hangs straight it can aim straight up or straight down so there is no j shape to the array Mm -hmm. which means in you know in, in churches, there's nothing in the way of a video screen because it's having to come down further and bend. If you're putting two video screens next to each other, like we've done at a few of the esports things, where you've got like say four video screens in the round, the, 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 the 90 degree of each of the corners of those video screens is a stripe of PA. There's no J that's got to make it spaced way further out or is in the way of an ox hang having to have you know, 12, 15 feet between them. Um, the technology is pretty unbelievable and yeah. I'm yeah. so uh, glad I, we went nerdy I, at the end of this. Oh yeah. <laughs> if was, everybody's, that's if what everybody's drinking for. with us, they're all like, woohoo. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was waiting for was, was the super nerdy part. Oh, 
So uh, we, we've been asking, I've, I've started asking this question uh, of, of our guys in the past few weeks, but to kind of wrap this up, because this is beer and gear, um, what is your favorite piece of gear and why? Oh, um, hmm. Ooh, that's a hard one. I, I'll tell you it what, while you think about one. that, I, I, yeah. I'll throw out one of my favorites. I haven't done this yet, but I will throw out one of my favorites. And it might be controversial, uh, and it's because I'm old, but the Midas Heritage series of consoles. Oh, yeah. Was one H3, of my... H3000, H4000, dude, bring yeah. it. Bring yeah. it back. So, Barney, my big purple dinosaur, I love that thing. Um, and I'll give a story of why it's one of my favorite pieces of gear of all time. I was doing, um, I was on a show where it was a house gig and, um, this eighties metal band came through and they were pretty popular back in the day. And they, they came in there and their monitor guy walks in and I had one at monitor world and he walks in and he goes, Hey, is that the house desk over there? And I said, yeah. And he goes, do all the channels work? And I said, well, Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's my yeah. desk. Yes, they do. And he yeah. turned immediately turned around to the guys that were loading gear on and goes, leave my console on the truck. We're using the house gear tonight. Nice. So he plugs yeah. everything in runs. They go through sound check. The lead singer comes over and walks up to him and goes, my ears have sound better tonight than they have on the entire tour. What did you do? And the dude just points at the desk and he walked over and kissed the edge of the desk and walked off. And I was like, that desk rules. <laughs> There's yeah, so many no, reasons, but that desk rules. For all of you youngsters out there, Felix and everybody who are digital guys, there's, there's magic that us old analog guys, uh, you, you can't, you can't explain it. And I'm not saying like, all the digital desks now, they're all great. I mean, yeah. everything's doing some really good stuff. The, oh yeah. Yeah. The, that new Avantis desk that you guys showed me at, uh, the last demo we did. I mean, it's crazy what they're cramming in these things, but I, I might be up for a mix off with somebody. You give me a couple of LA two A's and a heritage and a lexicon 480 and uh, I'll, I'll go up against any digital desk. We'll see what happens. Yeah. A bunch of LA2As. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. So that may be my answer, depending on which hat I'm wearing. So am I mixing front of house or my system engineering? Front of house, I'm with US. H, mm. H3, H4 uh, with some good analog outboard stuff. Man, I've seen, I've seen a bunch of bands in the A-level country market going back to analog in monitors and or front rock house. Too. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's really, I don't think it's so much... For everyone, I think some of the more pop acts really need the new digital stuff because oh, yeah. they're they're it's just different. But some of the rock acts and the real hardcore country acts mm -hmm. that I've been around, um, yeah, yeah. But if you ask me on my system engineer hat, it's going to have to be smart rational acoustic software. Oh, God, I mean, yeah. that's, that's like, I, I mean, <laughs> it, is it my favorite piece of gear? No, but could I do my job without it? No. And I mean, I've tried all the other analyzers; they're all good but smart is, is by far the, the best one in my mind. So shout out yeah, to it, my smart. Yeah, it definitely took the, uh, uh, it's definitely the 
most popular for a reason, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. they, they literally, they've, they've coined that term. I'm going to smart the room, which drives yeah. me crazy, but you know, like there's, a, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, there's a reason why it's, it's as popular as it is. It does a really good job and it, it does what you need it to do accurately. Well, and there, there's a, there's some people that are copying it and people are doing things that look very similar to it. But mm -hmm. if you actually really, really understand what it does, the copies aren't doing that. It, right. it visually looks like it's doing something, but if you're trying to use it as a real system engineer who understands it, the, the math that these copies are using isn't, isn't the same. I mean, you, you get what you pay for with this stuff, right? Yeah. You know, the, the guys at, at, the guys at smart are really smart. <laughs> yeah, they are. That was, yeah. that was terrible. It was, it um, was, but it, it's funny, yeah. you know, it's like. We're all it, for bad jokes here, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's the same thing as the, the pro tools thing used to be, you know, it's yeah. like, are, is that really the only pro tool nowadays? It's yeah. not. So, right. <laughs> you know, we're going to go that route, but, uh, but smart is definitely kind of the, the thing that, you know, yeah. if you see that at every front of house, pretty much yeah. everywhere, you know, well, it, it, everybody knows it. So, yeah. you know, even if it's, even if it's not the best, I mean, there's some things that, uh, what's the other one I've used a bunch skipping my mind right now um sistune oh um, yeah yeah sistune's got some really cool tricks in it um that it, that smart doesn't but i just i every time i try to switch to it i can't because i'm so slow at it like in smart i know all my shortcut keys i can I hit things say, i can it's all about the shortcut super. keys <laughs> yeah i mean it's all about the shortcut keys so if if the sistune guys want me to switch they need to change all their shortcuts to the same ones as smart and maybe i would mm. <laughs> think about it. but i'm just i'm too fast at smart to to you know put my career on the line of trying to learn a piece of software like that in that mission critical of a situation so right so yeah so yeah, I guess that's that. That's that's cool. I, I'm glad to hear more people. It's I, I've been hearing that like kind of privately, you know, that there are certain situations where you need a digital desk, you know, and I mean, we obviously understand yep. the benefits of a digital desk being instant We make recall. a living selling digital desks. We do, we do. <laughs> and, and nobody sells analog desks anymore. You know, yeah, I mean, I that's, agree. that's really not a thing anymore, but yep. there, it has been a resurgence just like there was a resurgence 10 years ago or 15 years ago yep. in two inch tape. You know, there yep. is a yep. resurgence in front of house guys, you know, I, I remember the first time I worked with uh, with Peter Frampton. They they brought out their uh, their Pro Series, and, you know, analog, and it literally across the the where the tape strip was, there was a, a plastic bumper thing with printed uh, stickers for everything that you know all the inputs because it hadn't mm -hmm. changed in like ten years. They literally right. just put encased it like it was part of the console, you That's know. Funny. And, yeah, and yeah. I th I think Yak had to do that, um, you know, for the first part of that tour when he when he worked with with uh, Frampton. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's uh, you know it, it's it's a thing. Um, I think the Foo Fighters uh, used like uh, was the Focusrite RedNet stuff to convert yeah. from analog to be able to have a digital snake to, to yeah. get to stage and stuff. So it, it's yeah. good to hear guys actually appreciating that, but you have to yeah. be on such a level to be able to have dudes that are willing to tote around that refrigerator or v, VW oh, yeah. bug yeah. level of heaviness, yeah. you know, oh, yeah. to be yeah. able to tip well, on I mean, that and, stuff. And that I think would be the, the best point. Is analog better can of worms? I'm going to say yes but it is a can of worms because you need to decide what you're doing. As much as I hate the little Behringer X32, I have heard guys do some pretty good shows on it. And it makes me angry to think, God, that, <laughs> uh, 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, it's yeah. just like, you know, I, I remember this, this one, uh, who was it? Oh, I know exactly who it was. Um, uh, a young engineer named Ian is running in front of house for a new country band called Old Dominion. And they show up as one of our opening acts on one of the stadium tours. And he, you know, he's, he's a young guy. He comes out, he got his little case and he opens up as an X32. So all of us guys that are on SSLs and Midas and Avid concerts, like, <laughs> Oh, how cute. <laughs> That's cute. I hope it works, buddy. You know? Yeah. Um, and holy crap, guys, he fires up his sound check and we're like, Really? Really? <laughs> now, I'll give it. He was also running uh, an external plug-in package. Um, not, not a Waves one. What's the other one that's really? UA? Yeah, the UA package. Yeah. So he was running the UA package. So a little bit, you know, he had a little bit of advantage over the, the stock X32. Yeah. But, but we all kind of, like, all of us guys that have been, you know, doing it longer than Ian's been alive. And Ian, if you're listening, I love you, dude. So this is a good story to talk about how good his ears are. He's a good engineer. Mm-hmm. But all of his old farts that have been doing this as long as, he, as Ian's <laughs> been alive, we're like just giggling at him. And then we all literally just went. <laughs> like, holy cow, dude. Well, which is funny because uh, my relationship with live sound has been f- from being a musician, but also selling. So working at a music store and everything. And I left. Yeah. And I, and I, and I left and I went uh, as a product specialist for a company that was making DJ equipment and, and product, music uh-huh. production equipment. So that was how I got into the name world and everything. That was 2007. Um, yeah. And then I go back and I get a job as a rep at a different company where we're doing uh, uh, live sound equipment. And I missed that gap. Like, so everything oh, we talk about between right. 2007 and, and yeah. 2012, yeah. I come back and I, Literally, the last time I was working at a store, I was selling a drive rack. Uh, yeah. And that was a big change from selling a bunch of compressors and EQs to the drive rack. And then, yeah. what, you don't sell any rack stuff anymore? Because it's all in right, the- right. What? Yeah. It, it's in this. Yeah. So it was just really funny because it was like a time capsule because I was just really busy doing other stuff. And I didn't even realize that that was happening. And it was becoming yeah. that affordable. So yeah, that's my there was, right. A, right. there was a big sea change that happened. I remember working at house of blues in Dallas. And the first time, and I've told this story before, but the first time I got a digital snake, you know, like before it was, you had to go up on the upper balcony and use the rope to pull the copper up. And, yeah. You know, you have this yeah. big snake and you have to, and then you feed it across and then you drop it down. And the first time I had somebody throw me two, you know, like, like, uh, you <laughs> know, five. little cat five cables yeah. uh, up, you yeah. know, and I'm like, yeah. what is this? And they're like, oh yeah, I'm feeding 32 channels of audio down this. It's like, no, yeah. you're not. This is insane. Yeah. And that yeah. was when I first went, oh, maybe digital does have mm-hmm. a place in live audio. Yeah. You know? yeah. I remember seeing Muse in 2005 and they had a venue. Um, and that was to me what it was like, oh man, if you're Muse, you can afford a digital mixer and then yeah, yeah. four years later the coffee shop down the street has yeah, a digital mixer yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. know I, I love to hate on behringer and they deserve all the hate in the world but um <laughs> you know to to give them just the tiniest bit i'm not going to give them any props but to throw this out there they did make digital mixing available to 
almost yeah. anyone, you know, yeah. uh, for yeah. better or for worse. And we could yeah. argue about the whole race downstream and, you know, all yeah, of yeah. that stuff. But for better or for worse, it is what it is. They made digital mixing available to the masses. And, yeah. you know, I mean, that X32, it did change things. Um, yeah. I, I went from guys that had expenditures for you know, what they were going to spend on their, on their gear to buying an X32 at the beginning of the, of the, the tour. And if it died, well, just throw it away and go throw to a guitar away. center and buy another one, you know, cause yeah. it was cheaper yeah. than renting a real console, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. and I don't think, I don't think we'll see other brands dropping quality mixers at a, an affordable price, you know? If it wasn't for that, I think it opened the, the yeah, eyes and the ears. Yeah, for everybody, everybody had to come meet them. They had to come meet them at that price point. Yeah. Before that, it was LS9. That was like the yeah. cheapest thing that you could get, uh, yeah. you know, which was, you know, what, five times more expensive than yes. the X32 when it came out, you know, uh, for, yeah. and it was the X32 was easier to use. And, you know, I mean, we all have our. Well, at that LS9 same time, you had, you had the Persona Studio Lives that were coming out, but I think their Achilles heel was they didn't have moving faders. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the, the Studio Lives sounded great. It was a great little desk, but it was just, you know, uh, that original series that didn't have the moving faders anyway. Yeah, um, you had just to set you know, the the gain knobs. Yeah. They would show the where you had to put it to, and you'd have to set it to that. Oh God, I've got horror stories about that <laughs> oh, console. Yeah. I had a lot of good times. I, I I did a lot with Personas when that that desk launched, so they were very good to me, and and we did a lot of seminars together. And it was for for the money, sounded way better than the oh, Behringer. Yeah. Absolutely, but, absolutely. But and I would say this if any of my Personas friends were sitting there, God, the digital, the moving faders killed it. Yeah, it killed it. They were too late. Behringer took over the market and, you know, now the studio lab's better. It's got moving faders and it's a better desk, but you know, it's too late to the party compared to Behringer taking over the world on it. And it's, it, well, you know. and now we have the whole thing with what Behringer did, you know, <laughs> we're not going to get into that, but yeah, uh -oh. it's uh, that's another, that's another podcast. Exactly. Exactly. No, just buy Alling and Heath. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, just oh, do that. Yeah. So, well, man, no, I've been, been, I've been very impressed with the Allen and Heath stuff. It's, yeah, they've, done, they've really the, the 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 new Avantis thing. I I was blown away with what what that thing's doing. Yeah, at that at the price point, I mean, yeah. it's like a serious desk at a not crazy price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it it definitely is, you know. So I I, I really like that desk. But well, man, it's been really good talking to you. We yeah. really appreciate you coming on the on the show. Uh, this is awesome and uh, sharing your whole. Hey, I'm glad we could kind of break our cherry with our first system tech. And <laughs> you did get a little uh, a little nerdy, which I appreciate. Dude, um, he's in a Millennium Falcon wearing a Stark Industries. <laughs> I know, I saw that the Stark oh Industries shirt. <laughs> I don't think he got nerdy enough. That was, was that was pretty amazing. Yeah. Do the next one. Uh, on a stage through a through a rig yeah um, <laughs> yeah hopefully yeah. we can do some more live things yeah yeah yep all right well we appreciate it man yeah dude thank you no it was fun being here